I'm Christian Walmart, and welcome to Calling All Stations, the podcast that keeps you up to date with all the transport news. And I must say, a lot of the transport news has come from us uh, this week because we revealed the story that uh, Wi-Fi was going to be cut from trains by the Department for Transport. And we talked about that in the previous podcast. Um, and lo and behold, it pretty much went viral. Viral. We got into almost uh, every national newspaper. It got uh, into. I did interviews in all sorts of uh, radio stations and uh, and the like. Um, and uh, it attracted a, a huge amount of attention. And I understand, Mark. You're. I'm. I'm still in uh, Italy. So you've had your finger on the pulse. Uh, keeping up to date with uh, the fallout from this. Um, so have we even had uh, questions in Parliament? Yes, hello, Christian uh, from Peterborough. And uh, you, yes, we have had, as you say, quite a lot of public attention to the story that we broke in episode 17 of Calling All Stations. Um, so as you've mentioned, there has been extensive coverage in the national print uh, and broadcast media and online uh, related uh, websites um, and uh, we've put many of those stories where we've been able to access them onto the calling all stations twitter account if our listeners would like to have a look at them uh, but also uh, this uh, story grew so rapidly that it was uh, the subject of consideration in Parliament over the last few days. And, and if you'd like me to, I can uh, explain to our listeners some of the things that have gone on uh, in, re in relation to members of Parliament and members of the House of Lords. Yes, absolutely, Mark. I, I you know, I, uh, certainly the, the first time we've managed to get a story uh, in Parliament. Um, let's hope it's not the last. And indeed, I have a bit of follow-up news about this story, which I'll, I'll talk about later. But uh, yes, what what uh, happened in Parliament? So first of all, we had some written questions were put down by members of the House of Commons. So uh, Tan Dacey, who is a Labour MP and the Shadow Rail Minister, and also uh, Ruth Cadbury, who's a Labour MP, put down questions about uh, the suggestion we were making based on intelligence that had reached us that the uh, scope of provision of passenger Wi-Fi on rail franchise operations controlled by the UK Department for Transport was going to be cut back. So the answer that was given to all of these questions from the rail minister, Hugh Merriman, was, uh, I, think, I think it's fair to say, Delphic in that he said previous assessments were made by the Department for Transport of the benefits of providing free passenger Wi-Fi and discussions have been held with DFT franchised train operators on options for the ongoing provision of on-train Wi-Fi for operational and passenger use. So I don't know what you make of that, Christian, but... Uh, well, I uh 
I, I did, he did repeat that about three or four times. <laughs> he did for all of the all of the uh, written questions. Uh, questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there was an excellent article in the Guardian which explained why this is I important by by Gwyn Topham, who followed up the story, gave us credit for it, uh, which was uh, very kind of him. And he explained actually that the important aspect of this, which is that the Wi-Fi that the train provides and, and captures uh, the signal from lots of different places at the same time, consolidates these, and therefore provides, at times, a much better option than your own devices, which only capture the signal from the nearest uh, signal and move from signal to signal, whereas the train uh, has much greater capacity to uh, provide a better signal. Now, of course, that doesn't always happen, as uh, some of the responses to uh, this uh, uh, event have, have shown. But uh, by and large, you are more likely to get a consistent signal if the train is providing it, as well as your device. And indeed, somebody pointed out that uh, some of the new kind of windows that these trains have actually uh, uh, makes it very difficult to get a, a reasonable signal uh, in a train. So there's all sorts of reasons why this will deter people from traveling by rail because they'll get uh, less good Wi-Fi. And one of the reasons people want to travel by train is that they can work on the train. So it's, it's a completely ludicrous thing. And I saw from uh, the other uh, house, which also mentioned this, Baroness uh, Veer was uh, giving answers on this, and she kept on uh, going on uh, uh, about the fact that, uh, you know, there was little usage of this, people use their own devices and so on, and that's really not the case. Well, let's, uh, let's have a listen, shall we, to what was said in the House of Lords, because what we have there was a, a question, an, an oral question that was tabled by Lord Barclay, who has a distinguished record on all sorts of matters relating to rail and, and public transport. Um, and he asked the, uh, the question to His Majesty's government whether they plan to advise franchise train operators to discontinue the provision of Wi-Fi for passengers on their trains. And, and first of all, we can hear the answer from the Minister, Baroness Veer. The way we are operating our railways is not currently financially sustainable. It is unfair to continue to ask taxpayers to foot the bill, which is why reforms are essential. Therefore, it is only right we work with operators to re review whether the current service delivers the best possible value for money. However, no decisions have been taken. The Minister for that answer. Um, she will be aware that I think most train operators already have Wi-Fi in all their trains for management and, uh, and revenue purposes. So could you explain to the House how much money would be saved by the Treasury if they removed access to Wi-Fi from the passengers? Um, the, 
I think I will revert back to uh, where I started on this, is that no decisions uh, have been taken. What we have asked to do as part of the business planning process is we've asked the train operating companies to look again at the services provided and to come up with a business case which sets out the benefits to passengers and the costs of providing that service. However, I would say the usage of Wi-Fi uh, on trains is actually quite low. It is available from all train operating companies, but is not available on all trains. So interestingly, after Lord Barclay had asked his questions, there were a series of follow-up questions from members of the House of Lords of all parties. So here's the question from Lord Swire, who is a Conservative member of the House of Lords. And again, we'll hear the response from the Minister, Baroness Veer. One of the reasons that uh, Wi-Fi on trains is perhaps a little bit low, as my, honorable, as my noble friend says, is because it's so hit and miss. I've been involved in an energetic correspondence with Mr Mark Hopwood, the Managing Director of GWR. I say energetic, energetic on my part, less energetic perhaps on his. An acknowledgement would be a start. An answer would be even better. But the truth is, we have a terrible problem in this country with productivity, and dead time is train time. You can get Wi-Fi on a plane, you can get Wi-Fi on a boat. Uh, surely you should be able to get reliable Wi-Fi on trains. And if the problem is with network rail, then we really do need to look at the relationship we have with the train operators and with network rail and the whole infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Wi-Fi on trains uh, is usually running off the same sort of 4G and, and 5G system that uh, the noble, my noble friend will have on his smartphone. Um, and so sometimes there can be uh, reliability issues. It also depends on how many people are actually using uh, the Wi-Fi on the train. It is there for, for, for usage for email um, and other low data usage requirements. It's not really there for streaming. However, I do accept that, that sometimes uh, the bandwidth can be um, a little bit challenging. What, what's good about that, Mark, is that it's not just the Labour side, opposition side that's asking questions. It's also uh, Tory, Tory uh, peers who are got in on the act. Well, and, and, and indeed it, it carries on, Christian, because the next uh, question came from Baroness Taylor of Stevenage, who's a, a Labour frontbencher. So we'll hear Baroness Taylor's question now, and again the answer from the Minister, Baroness Veer. My Lords, um, UK rail passengers already suffer the most expensive rail fares in Europe. Surely they should expect to receive the basics, a seat, working toilets, catering, but too often this isn't the case, even on long journeys. Now the government's planning to advise train operators to remove Wi-Fi so passengers won't be able to use their journey time to work. Is the government stuck in the 19th century? Can the noble Baroness, the Minister, tell us when Her Majesty's Government will recognise that to tackle the climate emergency, we need better public transport, not worse? Yeah. And of course, the, the, the government regularly surveys passengers to find out what it is that they, that they really appreciate, appreciate about the railways, reliability, good services, uh, punctuality, um, clean services. Actually, Wi-Fi... Is, is very low down on the list of priorities. However, as I, 
I can only say what the evidence uh, actually is from asking passengers. Um, however, what I, what I am saying is that we have asked the train operating companies to uh, look at the provision of Wi-Fi and to um, establish a business case which sets out the benefits to passengers, how much they uh, need it, um, those who, who perhaps you know, are unable to use a smartphone on 4G or 5G, for example, um, and then to revert. And then uh, what we now have is we go back to the Conservative side of the House and we hear from Baroness McIntosh of Pickering. Would my noble friend take this as a response to her survey? Um, for those of us who purchase our tickets uh, electronically, they require Wi-Fi to both board the train and travel on the train. Um, how am I going to be permitted legally to travel if there is no Wi-Fi to demonstrate I have purchased a ticket? I, I would hope that the noble lady will have got the ticket in the wallet on her phone because she would have needed it to go through the, 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 the station anyway. It is the case that, that free Wi-Fi will remain available um, at stations and as I say, no decisions have been taken. We have asked the train operating companies to prepare business cases. So the next question came from Lord Snape, who's a Labour member and who uh, is another a peer with a, a strong uh, background in the rail industry. Uh, unreliable of anti-trades, how will I be able to let the whip's office know that I'll be missing a three-line whip at any occasion? <laughs> Isn't this another example of the petty fogging interference in the railway industry by civil servants? many of whom don't, uh, know nothing about the railway industry but love uh, playing trains in their spare time. And yet another, isn't this yet another example of those in her department who know the price of everything and the value of nothing? <laughs> I, for one, would be very disappointed if the noble lord was unable to vote. However... Um, taking uh, the issue of um, uh, where the government is at the moment, prior to the pandemic, there was no need for any subsidy in terms of operating the railways, zero subsidy, so, ben so the revenues match the costs. Since the pandemic, noble lords will all know that revenues have fallen and actually some revenues have shifted to the weekend and more leisure travel. So we are in a situation that last year the taxpayer had to subsidise the trains to the tune of £2.85 billion. My lords, that is unsustainable. What we do have to do to be a responsible government is to look at all elements of our train services to ensure that they match demand and that the services that we are providing and the facilities thereon meet the needs of passengers. The next uh, question came from Baroness Randerson, who speaks for the Liberal Democrats on transport and who herself uh, had tabled uh, another written question on this subject. Lords, the noble lady, the minister, frequently tells us that the taxpayer can't be expected to subsidise the railways because relatively few people use the railways. Does the government acknowledge that we all benefit, every single one of us, from the use of the railways because each train that travels carries many hundreds of passengers who would otherwise be clogging up our already congested roads. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think I can, I can necessarily disagree with the noble lady. However, that's a very sort of absolutionist approach, and I think there is, there is some balance uh, to be had here. And the noble lady says um, that the government is not willing to subsidise the railway. The, the government already does. As I've said, there's £2.85 billion going in for the services. But as I uh, uh, mentioned earlier this week, there's £44.1 billion uh, going into Control Period 7, which I believe is the highest ever. And that it covers all of the elements of the the renewals, the maintenance, um, and the network rail operations. So that, that element of it is, is very significant. That's nearly £9 billion a year that the government spends, and then in addition, a further £2.8 billion on subsidising the services. Then we heard from Viscount Stansgate, who's a Labour member, and here's his question and also the answer from the Minister. The Minister says that no final decision has been taken. But is she trying to persuade the House that the government no longer thinks in the 21st century in which we live that Wi-Fi should count as an essential service for those of us who use the railways? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think that the proof is in the pudding. Between, between 10 and 20% of people on, on trains ever use the Wi-Fi. Most people nowadays actually use 4 and 5G networks. In the House of Lords, there are also a kind of independent peers who are known as crossbenchers and this question was from the Earl of Devon who sits on those crossbenches. The noble baroness links the unavailability of wi-fi to the unavailability of 4g and 5g in the areas in which the trains are traveling so do you directly link the failure of the trains to provide wi-fi to the failure of project gigabit? Um, if I knew what Project Gigabit is, I, I, I would actually be able to answer the Noble Lord's question. However, I will write to him and find out. What I would say, though, is that if there are, are not spots um, for 4G and 5G, no spots, what should we call them? Wherever, yes, thank you. Uh, wherever there is you know, unavailability of 4G and 5G, that is something we really uh, should look at um, and, and ensure that, that train travellers can, can use those uh, networks with reliability. Next, we hear from the Green Party. So Baroness Bennett of Manor Castle raises some very interesting points. Uh, my Lords, the Noble Lady, the Minister, has a number of times referred to um, people using their own 4G or 5G contracts instead. But of course, people who have to really watch their costs in the cost of living crisis are very likely to have capped contracts where the amount of 4 or 5G they use um, is limited. Um, given the eye-watering cost already of rail fares and the fact that, that you know, if you get Wi-Fi, that means you're not using that scarce resource that you have in your 4 or 5G contract. Isn't this actually pricing even more people off the railways and making the service only available to the rich? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. As I have said uh, many times, those, uh, there will be business cases drawn up by the train operating companies, and of course those considerations will be top of mind. And then the last question came from Lord Brooke of Alverthorpe, who is a Labour peer. Just what saving would be made if it was withdrawn, and what alternatives might be available to keep it running? Yeah. Well, of course, I can't say that at, at the moment because there is no plan to completely withdraw all Wi-Fi from across across the network. That 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 that's the whole point. However, once the business cases have been done and there is a uh, an agreement as to what which Wi-Fi uh, might continue and which might not, and one might assume that it would be um, a prerequisite on on longer journeys but I'm not going to prejudge the outcome of the business cases. At that stage, we will have a better idea of the future economics. 
So as you say, Christian, uh, an amazing uh, level of interest in this uh, issue. I think this is an issue that achieves something that's known as cut through uh, because it's something that in a way everybody can understand. There are so many technical complex issues in all aspects of transport in particular railways. But this is something that uh, we all use Wi-Fi, whether it's on trains in our homes or in our offices. So I think this was this really struck a chord with people. Yes, I must say, uh, poor old Baroness Veer um, didn't sound very happy to be there in, in all those answers. And, you know, she was necessarily uh, defensive. And you've got your finger on the pulse. Uh, I understand that there might be discussions about reversing this. Well, there is some suggestion that uh, the public and political and media reaction to this was not anticipated within the Department for Transport and that we might be moving towards uh, a graceful or, or less graceful U-turn on the suggested policy. Um, in some ways, the, uh, the, the, the answers that have been given by ministers do allow a bit of a, an escape route because they could say, uh, well, we've had a little review and we've decided just to carry on as we are. And that was really always our intention. We were just kind of uh, testing the, the, the water uh, on whether there might be uh, the possibility of doing something slightly differently. So they've still got that, that room for manoeuvre. They haven't made, it seems, any irreversible decisions as yet. Yeah, well, and they, they could still they... save face. Sorry, they go on about business cases. And I think that's one of the most ridiculous things because, you know, how do you how do you get a, a, a serious business case? Well, how do you value uh, what uh, people are getting out of this? You know, you can say, oh, well, only 15% of people use it. But then, you know, how do you calculate the value of that to those people? I mean, it's one of those nonsense kind of concepts that, uh, you know, accountants... Uh, and economists kind of favour, but in real life, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you know, if this was a proper kind of commercial assessment, you'd say, well, our customers, by and large, like this. You know, they, they need this. This is part of modern life. Uh, it's part of our service. You know, yes, it's a cost, and we'll go ahead with that. But, of course, the Department for Transport can't really operate in that well, for way. All, for, 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 for all we know, the the train operators have responded to oh. the consultation with exactly those kind of words. And, let, and let's hope that they have. And I, I think there's some, some suggestion that the representatives of consumers have, have voiced concerns as well. But if you think about it, uh, in the context of, of the, the government saying to people, get back to the office, um, then connectivity on the train is a, is a really important uh, kind of pull factor to get people to to be more willing to make those journeys and to and to go into the office um, and and with that enhanced connect connectivity that you've described that you often receive from the equipment that that is on board the train um, it seems really daft that you would uh, switch that off as far as the passengers are concerned. So, so let's hope that the story that broken by calling all stations is ultimately going to bring some public benefit and some uh, re retention of a, a valued service by rail users. Yes, I mean it's all a, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. Um, 
And what's more, um, you know, I've been contacted by people in the industry over this, um, and uh, I've been told that there are other cuts that are happening. One is definitely happening, which is they're cutting back on cleaning. And now they, uh, the Department for Transport, responded to me when I said this. They said, oh, we're, we're only cutting back on the extra cleaning that resulted from COVID. Now, uh, you know, that's quite a difficult thing to assess, really. Um, you know, what is the extra cleaning? So, you know, are we going to get dirtier trains out of this? And the other thing I was given a specific figure about, which is that they're cutting community rail support by 25%. Now, community rail support goes to various smaller lines where, you know, they give money to the local groups to improve the stations, to uh, have little marketing campaigns, to uh, make the lines more attractive. Um, and, it, you know, it's a relatively small scale thing. There's about 70 community rail schemes around the country. But uh, so cutting back that sort of thing is exactly what we, you know, we shouldn't be doing if we're trying to get people back on the railway. So watch this space. I somewhat suspect you know, there's going to be more cuts emerging uh, out of the woodwork, uh, thanks to uh, uh, this story kind of uh, getting so much traction. There's there's a bit of a theme developing here, isn't there? Which is that these kind of uh, chipping away at the at the edges of the of the quality of the service, rather than uh, going out and actually uh, vigorously marketing the service. And uh, generate generate using the benefits of of uh, factors like additional cleaning to attract more people onto the onto the service because uh, I, I I think clean trains and clean public transport do really matter to people. Here's Christian's final thought from the departure lounge. Well, it's about people trying to get out of the departure lounge, actually, because uh, there was this chaos over e-gates, um, the, the kind of gates you go through uh, with your passport without actually having to meet a border force uh, official. And uh, apparently about 60 to 80 percent of people now use these at airports and uh, just at the wrong time, at the peak time of people going off for half term holidays, uh, we found uh, that none of them worked and uh, they ended up with queues of two to three hours kind of getting out of uh, airports. And I've, I've tried to kind of find the source of this and what happened. Um, and there's a general kind of feeling amongst techies that this was uh, some sort of uh, hack. Um, and that's why they had to turn them all off, because they were worried that, uh, you know, the security of these things had been uh, compromised. Um, and, and that's why that it wasn't just e-gates at one airport. It was all the e-gates that uh, were actually uh, switched off. And this, of course, is a great concern. You know, is, is this Russian hackers, um, you know, or is it just kind of ransomware or is it some sort of just random 17-year-old boys from uh, some uh, uh, bedroom somewhere kind of working this out? But nevertheless, it does show the extent to which we are reliant on this sort of technology and how when it goes wrong, 
um, you know, the, the amazing uh, chaos uh, results. And, you know, we, we would welcome, I think there should be an inquiry into this so that we find out, you know, why this happened and what is the likelihood of it happening again. Calling All Stations with Christian Walmart is a Cogitamus Limited production. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating with whichever platform you use. Do follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at AllStationsPod.